If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time. In the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper. And it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers. Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! <laughs> Take your pixies out of your pockets and, of course, sprinkle some of that pixie dust around and think up your happiest thought. And let's fly away to Neverland. I am, of course, your head lost boy, Jeremy, also known as the Spider Pan. I'm flying a little bit solo today, although Lost Boy Eric will be joining us later as we talk to Chris or Christopher Lucas, however you want to pronounce it. If you go on Amazon and you want to look for his book, it's going to be Christopher Lucas. He has a very interesting book of a lot of top ten lists, and it's basically a lot of facts about Disney that are very, very interesting and you may or may not know everything uh, but he's collected all this really good cool information and done a lot of research on what is some of the best stuff and it's i'll let him explain it later uh, this is going to be a slightly different show I've had kind of a weird, wild weekend. Many of you may have noticed the website is down, which includes every subdomain I have, which includes a subdomain that I have that has all of my resume and portfolio of things that I'm trying to show to employers right now since I've graduated. So I've had a heck of a mess trying to work with HostGator to try to fix this problem for over 48 hours and, and longer trying to get this fixed. So I didn't, haven't really had time to do some of the usual stuff. So what we're going to have today, other than of course, we're going to talk to Chris Lucas later. I have a YouTube video that I recorded this week that uh, I think brings up some interesting uh, topics and some thoughts that I've had, which I'll get into in a little bit. Plus, we're going to take a ride on Spaceship Earth over on Epcot with Eric and his wife as they came down to Walt Disney World. I guess it's been almost a year ago, maybe longer now, but it was on an anniversary trip. Uh, and so we have that audio that we're going to share. But first, like I mentioned, I did a YouTube video this week, and you might want to go and watch it in case you want to actually see this. But I want to share the audio with you, because this week we did get a look at Bo Peep from Toy Story 4. And of course, when Toy Story 4, when it was announced, a lot of us wondered, why are we getting a Toy Story 4? Because Toy Story 3 really wrapped things up very well. Well, it seems there may be an agenda behind making the film, and it may not be just to make a great film. And, well, let's just listen to what I had to say in the video. Take your pixie out of your pockets and sprinkle your pixie dust around. 
with your happiest thought because we're flying to Neverland briefly on video here on YouTube. Uh, just for a brief thing, uh, a little bit of news that I actually wanted to get into, uh, I wanted to comment on. Let's go back in time quite a few years to a Star Wars celebration where Kathleen Kennedy was made the, well, she's in charge of Lucasfilm. She's running the show. Lucasfilm is still, you know, it's owned by Disney, but Lucasfilm is still, you know, running and doing its own thing, making its own movies. Kathleen Kennedy, in a speech when she was announcing the position, said that they needed in Star Wars a more diverse crowd. She wanted, of course, to have some more female characters. Now, of course, her goal is to create strong female characters. She has a shirt, and she's proudly worn it, saying the Force is female. Now, maybe this isn't concerning to some people, but the Force is an energy field. It doesn't have a gender. So there was an attitude already coming in to these newer Star Wars films that may have been a bit alarming and may be part of the problem on why we're having difficulties now in the fan base. Rey, who has never failed at anything, who has never had to train for anything, we need to figure out exactly what it is they want of what is a strong female character. What is it? What is the strength of a female? I mean, apparently what they think is a strong female character, you have to be this perfect warrior. Because Rey has been able to have abilities without any training. Now, okay, being able to be mechanically inclined and understand everything on the Millennium Falcon, she was, you know, a grabbing all the scrap and, you know, everything she was doing on her own there. I, I can see her learning enough about ships to be able to repair things. That That works for me. I can follow that. But... Gaining force abilities, knowing how to do a Jedi mind trick when she's never seen it done, probably never even heard of it, but she can do it. And then she can also defeat Kylo Ren, just because she focused. I remember when the credits started rolling on The Force Awakens saying, wow, this feels like a fan film. You will have characters that don't really have to be that developed. And I mean, for a long time, you had there's there's better fan films now, but there are fan films I have seen where there's no character development. They just you know can do whatever they need to do, and they just want to have these super great characters, and they don't fail, they don't seem to learn, they don't seem to grow. They just like, yeah, look, we had a great Jedi character, woohoo! That's what it felt like because that's what fan films do. You just throw in a character, and we're we're supposed to respond to it and not be like questioning why she can do all this. So then The Last Jedi comes around, and we don't get any fix for this. She doesn't really receive any training. But yet here she is taking on all these guards there, and then fighting Kylo Ren and defeating him again. And in fact, heck, even using the Force and pulling the lightsaber away from Kylo Ren the first time, and then she does it again, and, you know, it breaks one apart. Uh, she's more powerful than she should be, and she's really had no training. She just, whatever she needs to be able to do, she is given to do, because Kathleen Kennedy wanted a strong female character. She had an agenda, wasn't out there really trying to make sure we had good Star Wars movies being made. She just wanted to fulfill her agenda, and we've got a mediocre character we're going around with. Now, granted, I've still had fun with these movies. I've still enjoyed them, but there's some definite flaws. And I've even seen people say Poe Dameron feels like an emasculated character after he was berated by two women. And, you know, part of what men do is we do take risks and stuff like that. And basically they're telling him, you know, no, you shouldn't do that. Don't act like a man. Uh, there's a whole other issues there. And I think they've got a point with that. So, yeah, there's definitely some problems. And, you know, the further we've gotten from that movie having come out, the more I'm seeing these troubles. And so I would say in the third of this series, 
uh, the episode nine, we need her to fail so she can grow and then we can relate to her because she can't be perfect. The only mistake I guess she made was thinking Kylo Ren was going to change, even though this was like, what, two, three days after she had watched Kylo Ren murder his father? But she's willing to give him that chance that he's going to change. She suddenly thinks, oh, well, I have the ability to make him change. How so? Now, see, during this, we did get a, a, an example of what a strong female character. This didn't seem forced. Wonder Woman came out. And one of the biggest strengths she had is she always did the right thing because of her compassion. Wonder Woman, I mean, remember the old theme song? Say, you know, uh, fight a war with love, make the hawk a dove. That's, that's strength of character. That's the strength of women. Women are amazing because of their compassion, their ability to love. They are more emotionally intelligent than we men are. Let's face it. We, men, we have, we have emotions, but we do express them differently. And now we, I feel like we get berated because we don't do our emotions the same way. We're not being sensitive enough somehow. Uh, we have our emotions. We just do it differently. And our emotional intelligence, we are missing some of that intuition that you women have. But that's okay. That's the way we are. And women, you're amazing. You do have this great in, uh, intuition. That's why we're great partners. We, we're, we blend together so well. That's why women are awesome. And if you go from the start building from the strengths of, of how women are amazing and you build from that, and that's what Wonder Woman had. She had compassion and she had all this training. And so we didn't weren't surprised when she had these abilities. And we knew she was going to be strong and darn near indestructible and awesome. Because we, we knew that the way she was going to be. She's like godlike. So it didn't fit. But you know what? She failed in that movie and she learned something in that movie. That's what we need to see from Ray. Now, another reason I'm really going to bring all this up is that we saw some pictures this week of Bo Peep in Toy Story 4. Now, when Toy Story 4 was announced, many of us said, why? The third one wrapped things up so beautifully. And I haven't minded some TV specials. That's kind of been fun. But it didn't seem necessary. But they said, oh, but we have this great story. And we've been told, oh, there's this great story. And it's, you know, oh, we're, we've cried at the end. But I've, now I have my doubts. Because looking at what they've done with Bo Peep, I fear that they've brought in the, oh, we need more strong female characters. Because Bo Peep's story here is that she doesn't want to just be a porcelain ball. She needs to apparently be a warrior. And a road warrior, because apparently she's been out living on the road. This worries me. Now, granted, she's had some years that she could have, I guess, learned some stuff because I guess a toy is going to learn something out on the road. But the other thing that's weird is, all right, she was made of porcelain, and now what is she? Did she get broken? Was her head put on a different body? This doesn't make any sense. Now, I've seen some people, oh, because talking toys make sense. Well, in a way, they did. It, it, there was a universe cr kind of created in the first Toy Story that we understood the rules. Bo Peep has never, in any Toy Story film, gone on any adventure. And one and two where you see her, she's always stayed behind in Andy's room. Probably because she's made of porcelain. In fact, I don't know how she's supposed to be actually a toy. I think she was a decoration. And we do see that Bonnie has a Christmas decoration she's just liked and has made a toy of it. So... You know, Andy needs a female character and somebody for Woody to rescue. And I fully expect now in Toy Story 4 we're going to get the, oh, I'm just tired of Woody always having to come to rescue me. Why is that? I expect that's going to happen. And I, I've, I'm afraid that they've put so much of, we won't have we won't have good, strong female characters, that they're going to lose something in this movie. So now I'm officially worried about, wait a minute, 
what it, what are you doing? I mean, because if you don't do this right, if you create another ray, this is going to fail. And you know what? Let's not set a standard that women have to be warriors to be strong women. I know lots of good, strong women who are not irritable all the time. Because that seems to be another thing of, oh, you're a strong woman, you're just going to irritate people. And you shouldn't have a problem with how I'm irritating. Uh, that's another problem I have with the MJ Michelle character in the, the current Spider-Man movie. She's just irritable all the time. And that's not even a likable character. That's just annoying. And I wouldn't like people like that. But, you know, I've seen, you know, Mother Teresa, there's a strong woman. There's, I mean, compassion, all the things she did in the world. That's, I mean, there's strong women that you know, and they're not going around acting irritable, but it's just the strength of character and the things they do that make them strong. And, the, and the, I mean, heck, my wife teaches high school, and she has to put up with a lot of stuff, but she keeps doing it, and she's passionate about being able to teach and share what she knows. That's a strength. So we need to look at what strong women really are and quit trying to force this mold of what we think strong women should be and then shove characters in there that don't make any sense, like Bo Peep. But that's my two cents. Share any comments you might have below. We probably will talk about them on an upcoming podcast here. If not this week, then a week coming. Uh, make sure you check it out, neverlandpodcast.com. You can find all of our episodes there. Also, subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe right here on YouTube. Not to the audio episodes that we normally do, but you can subscribe, hit the little bell, and any videos that we put up here, including game videos, you'll get to see. So, ciao for now. Like I said, leave a comment below. Tell me what you think. The kids of the 70s and 80s are all grown up, but the good times of childhood don't have to end. Our generation can share the fun and fandom of our youth with the next generation and bring the past into the future. And wrap it all up to make a fantastic present. Join Jedi Schwa and Shaz Bazaar every Monday morning to get your work week started by reminiscing about the past and exploring the future with your earbuds on Techno Retro Dads. So find us on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, or on TechnoRetroDads.com, part of the Shot Glass Digital Network. Now back to He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Let's take a ride at a Disney park. Let's take a ride right now. Oh, oh. Sliding doors are extremely close. Look at that, Jeremy. Look at that. Look at
15,000 years to come with the next writer here, recording our knowledge on cave walls. There was only one small problem. When we moved, the recorded knowledge stayed behind. Now let's move ahead to ancient Egypt, because something is about to happen here that will change the future forever. Books by hand. But that is about to change. 
invents the movable type printing press. Now knowledge can travel as fast as these new books. And travel they do. Books make it easier to invent the future in every field. And the result is an incredible explosion of innovation we call the Renaissance.
global community. Poised to shape the future of this, our spaceship Attention, you are now rotating backward for your return to Earth. Please remain seated, time travelers. Attention, travelers, please remain seated. Your time machine is rotating backward for your return to Earth. In preparation for your return to Earth, your time machine is now rotating Your closet comes equipped with a computerized <laughs> personal 
That's my party outfit. It's a custom made outfit, even if it's for today. Relax, a smart one. Your smart home has everything organized to help you start your day. The world will literally be at your fingertips. Because your home's information network lets you view your daily planner almost anywhere. And since you don't enjoy cleaning, robotic housekeepers will help you with your daily chores. Your smart home will know when it's time for you to leave and make sure you're dressed for success in your custom-manufactured clothes. Of course, your smart home is already set for your automated car, which takes you where you want to go, while you relax and enjoy a beautiful view of the future. The end, or should I say the beginning, of your future. So here's to the next 30,000 years on Spaceship Earth. While no one knows for sure what we'll see or do, I do know it will be quite an adventure. An adventure that we'll take and make together. See you in the future. To Disney and beyond. All right, so we're getting kind of big on bringing a lot of book authors in there for a lot of great reading, and I'm sure we're starting to load up the bookshelves. Uh, Eric, how, is your bookshelf going to be able to withstand any more books? Uh, I'm about ready to get a second set. Yeah, I, I would get another bookshelf, except for I don't know where I'd put it in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I'm starting to get loaded up, but here's another book that, uh, oh my gosh, this is a pretty cool book. And it's, it's, I was surprised actually by the content. I, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I had a thought on it, but uh, this is a new book called Top Disney uh, by Christopher Lucas. You can pre-order on Amazon. Uh, Christopher Lucas, he is an actor, an author, a motivational speaker, and a lifelong fans of all things Disney. His admiration for Walt led Chris to create a one-person show about Disney called Of Mouse and Man, which has been performed in schools, theaters, museums, and other venues around the country since 2001. Uh, he's also a co-author of Seeing Home, the Ed Lucas Story, which is a critically acclaimed book about his father, released by Simon & Schuster and Derek Jeter Publishing in April 2015. He's also a professional actor for over 30 years. Has actually been seen on the big screen and on television shows, featured supporting and recurring roles, and as such, he's been profiled in People Magazine, USA Today, Newsweek, Soap Opera Week, Soap Opera Weekly, oh boy, goodness, the New York <laughs> Times, and several other national publications. He has two teenage boys, and of course, one day he wants to take them on a vacation that doesn't involve a visit to a Disney park, but why would you do that? Uh, and of course, you can find him, if you want to contact him, mousetop10 at gmail.com. Everybody, please welcome Mr. Chris Lucas, or Christopher Lucas. When you look on Amazon, it's very important you look up Christopher Lucas, trust me. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, Chris is fine, but the, the professional name is Christopher. <laughs> well, Chris, it makes you sound like you know more. Like, I'm not just Chris, I am Christopher. <laughs> That's the acting union. You have to be a certain... If someone's already Chris Lucas, you have to choose a different name. So it was taken. <laughs> so now it's Christopher Lucas. Now, as long as you don't have a son and name him George, then <laughs> you should be I, fine. I'd be, I'd be rolling in Star Wars figures if that was my... If I was any relation. <laughs> and I've gotten yeah. the question my entire life. So. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things. That I actually met a person whose last name was Sears, and he goes, no, I have no relation to the department store. <laughs> and if I did, you know. I don't and I don't know if I'm related to Brooke Shields. I always claim she's somewhere a distant cousin. And if it's true, she needs to send the money. Does she have any more left? Well, she's got to somewhere. I mean, she's been doing a lot of commercials, and I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure what she's up to. Who knows? Uh, if we were related, I would probably know. <laughs> so now you mentioned, of course, being a lifelong fan of all things Disney. So tell us about your first trip to a Disney park. I was actually, it was early on. Uh, it was just a few years after Walt Disney World opened. I'm here on the East Coast. I'm in New Jersey. So uh, my grandmother saved up as much as she could, and uh, she was just as big a Disney fan as I was, and she took my brother and my cousin and I down there. So we were there in 1976, I believe, so five years after it opened. And, I, you know, I, memories are fuzzy because I was very young, but I, it's completely – I look at some of the photos and some of the characters now. There was – I remember in my autograph book I still have King Leonidas, who if you mm. showed him to kids today, they'd have no idea who this – and it was the three little pigs and the big bad wolf and all that So. Uh, you know, they, they hadn't gotten into the era of all the princesses and everything else that they have today. So it was it was I'm glad I got to experience the park back then. Wow. And it was actually about like a year before I was born. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, King Leonidas. Oh, I know. I know. I know who that is. But now it's, it's just not coming to me. Knobs and broomsticks. Knobs and broomsticks, right? Oh. And, and it's very. He looks very similar to Prince John from Robin Hood. The two, you, you, mm -hmm. if you saw them in a lineup, you'd think they were the same king, but uh, they're not. But they they look almost exactly alike. Yeah, and that's where he has like the medallion or whatever around his neck they need to get during the soccer game. Yeah, the Star of yeah. Azeroth. 
yeah his, his voice was done by the same guy who voiced hr puffin stuff so if you listen to those <laughs> they're exactly like it's very weird <laughs> wow so i own a copy of that movie but i haven't watched it in a while so now i'm gonna have to watch it later <laughs> well there you go my wife watches it all the time though whenever she's grading papers because the best way to deal with uh you know, grading papers apparently is watching Disney movies because it's either that or Alice in Wonderland. She'll just go right after those. I think that's the best way to deal with anything is watching Disney movies. It's Oh, yeah. That's actually how I got my Disney fandom is pretty much just watching the Disney Channel. And I, I didn't get to go to a park until 2009, but it's definitely a life-changing event when you when you get in there. It just changes everything, obviously, because now here, here we are. But so now when when I think of a top 10 list and uh, I, it was funny in uh, on the Amazon's in the description even mentions like a David Letterman. Uh, I was uh, somewhere in my head. I thought this would be similar to like, you know, you go on YouTube and there's a thousand different videos. Like, oh, here is our top 10 ch- picks of this. But uh, you get into this book and uh, it's it's kind of different. This book is almost like a good introduction. If somebody has maybe just visited one of the parks, they gain that obsession. They want to learn a lot of facts about Walt, about the parks, about the films. This is almost like a good, you know, it's like a list of 10 awesome, really cool facts to learn. So this this had to have been a ton of research. It was a lifetime of research. Actually, I've spent, <laughs> uh, you know, my whole life watching Disney movies, learning as much as I could about Walt and going to the parks as often as I can. So this, uh, a lot of the book, you know, when people write top 10, sometimes it's their own personal top 10. And Mm -hmm. if I made my own personal top 10, Robin Hood would be the number one Disney movie because it's my sentimental favorite. But there's no way I can make a list and get away with doing that. So (laughs) I had to weigh it with the consensus of experts, people you've had on your show, like Jim Corcus and others and reading them and then listening to fans and kind of balancing it all out and saying, okay, what would be the consensus? There are some lists where you could see a little bit of my my personal, you know, because of the age I am and the time I grew up, but I tried to be as fair as I could. But uh, the trying to cover all of Disney history, it includes not just the parks, but the movies and the people and the executives. And, and that's a lot. So we decided to make a book of 100 top 10 lists, which you don't see many of those. You just you do see top 10 books, but it, no one's ever clarified, like, here's 100 of them and give you an exact number of it. So it was a challenging task, but uh, it's been years and years in the making. And a lot of different topics. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a big company. There's just a lot to cover with Disney. <laughs> yeah. It's like I was flipping through this. I was like, my goodness, is there anything he left? There's no stone left unturned here. I, uh, you know, that was, I had to, that was my mission to make sure there was no stone. Because people, you know, think of the parks primarily. They think about Disney when they talk about Bob Iger recently and how much money he made and the bonuses. And people say, well, they raised the price. But if you look at the parks, that's only about 35% of the revenue that Disney makes is their parks. The other amount of, you know, 65% that they make comes from everything else, movies, merchandising, TV. Uh, you know, now they have a streaming service, all these other things. So I couldn't just make a book about the parks. I had to talk about everything or the reverse. I couldn't just make a book about the movies because I'd have to talk a little bit. About so I tried to figure out how do I balance that, you know, which which has more lists, which has less lists. and. How do I do that? But um, I hopefully I got it right. We'll see. Yeah, and I think you started in the right spot with the lists about Walt Disney himself. So, and it's neat that you've got like 
categories in the book and then you break down each thing and you know uh like going through i just mentioned the list about walt disney himself then you have greatest influences on walt key moments in walt's life walt disney quotes most informative books about walt disney and on and on just breaking it down into these individual little pieces uh that's that's really clever i don't think i've ever read a book like this well and that's part of you know i i have a great affinity for walt if someone said what do you love most about the company my answer is always walt it's that's <laughs> what i think you know it's, it's mm-hmm. he's, he walt said it all started with a mouse but it all started with walt without him yeah it would be none of this so uh, in trying to explain to people i i write when when you write a book you always have to think of who you're writing it for so in my head i was writing this for somebody who, and I don't think there's a person on the planet this applies to, who's never heard of Disney or doesn't know anything about Disney or is a novice or, like you said, maybe first time at the park. So I wanted to introduce them to Walt and tell his story, but not in sort of the typical biographical fashion. I want to break it down into lists and lists where you could see how his influences as a child wound up in the parks and in the movies and in everywhere. So as you go through the book, you, you connect. You say, wait a second. Oh, I see this character relates exactly back to what Walt, his experience when he was five years old, that's why this character is this way or why this ride is that way. So uh, mm-hmm. hopefully that comes through. So what I tried to do in the book is mix it up a little bit. So it tells a story in addition to having lists. And I'm going to toss to Eric. Okay, go oh, ahead. And, and I think it's great because you really do get into the minutia. I mean, topics like Disney legends who should be better known, people who should be Disney legends but haven't been. You know, uh, it, it's incredible the depth that you've gone here. Uh, to, to point out the people who have really contributed and, and made a big effort and impact at Disney's success. Well, that's there. There are. And I wish I could have put more in there. I mean, every list mm-hmm. is just 10 people, but uh, that, the Disney Legends ones, for instance, there, there's so many people know the obvious Disney Legends, but there are people that just, you know, have worked at the parks or worked behind the scenes. They were just as instrumental that their names should be better known. So I have them in the book. And then, uh, you know, there someone was looking at the book the other day and i have under modern day animators i have mark dindal and everybody yeah. said, well, who's that why is he in there but he started in, in the period when some of the old animators and i don't know were still there and then mm-hmm. he continued all the way to chicken little that was his baby which was with the first computer animated disney not pixar but disney studios film that that was he so this is a guy that went from learning from the nine old men a connection all the way back to walt to bringing it up into where we are now and so his name that might not be familiar most Disney fans, but he's he's just as important as any of the other people on that list. Oh yeah, oh definitely. You know, and and I followed his career since Cats Don't Dance and Emperor's New Groove. So sure. you know, it's great to see these people who, yeah, we know about them, but uh, you know, e- but but even like on the Legends list, I had no idea that. Um, oh no, I just blanked out his name, uh, Phil Harris wasn't a Disney legend. And then I was absolutely gobsmacked to see uh, Frank Welker listed when I realized, wait, he has done a lot for Disney. Yeah. yeah. Well, Frank Welker, if you look at the, there's a list, I think it's IMDb or one of them has a list of the people in Hollywood whose movies have made more money than anybody else. And if you mm-hmm. said to somebody, who's made more money? People might say, oh, Harrison Ford or Samuel L. Jackson, but actually Frank Welker has made more, his movies have made, not because of him specifically, but he's been in, Every blockbuster you can think of, he was the voice of the Gremlins. He he did some voices in Indiana Jones movies. He does little cute little animal voices and other things. So uh, a guy like that, the public barely knows his name, but he's a guy. And he actually was in some Disney live action movies, too, when he was younger. So there's that connection. So I, I believe he should be a legend, but he's not. 
Yeah, every time I hear a creature noise of any sort in a movie, I'm always like, yeah, I bet Frank Welker's in this. Let's look it up. <laughs> well, when, when a Disney fan asked me, they say, well, how would I know Frank Welker? What? Abu from, from uh, Aladdin. That's yeah, right. exactly. That's complete. That's a, it, Abu doesn't say anything word-wise, but you know you understand exactly everything he's saying because of Frank Welker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, he definitely deserves to be a Disney legend. That's something I hadn't really thought of, but... My goodness, because, yeah, his influence is definitely anywhere. And I, I don't know what we're going to do when we don't have anymore. When we want to have an animal character, I don't know if anybody will do it as well. I hope he's training somebody. That's <laughs> Please, Frank Wilker, train somebody. <laughs> that sounds awful, though. Find somebody to replace you. But, you know, he's not going to live forever. <laughs> he's relative. Thank goodness. He's, he's I think he's only in the late 60s, early 70s. So he's he's good. Hopefully. He's still plugging along there, yeah. yeah. Still plugging along, so we got at least another 30 <laughs> years with him, we hope. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I really enjoyed about this book, and, and you pointed out in the beginning, uh, you might expect to see certain names, certain individuals, certain people within the categories and, and within the list, but they're not there. And then you turn the page, get into a, a topic that goes a little bit more in-depth, and there they are. I remember looking through, um, like, the actors who found a home at Disney, and I noted, hmm, you don't mention David Ogden Stiers. You don't mention mm. Alec Tudyk. You don't mention John Ratzenberger. You know, all three of them are, you know, have a significant presence. And then I turn the page. <laughs> and and that was that that was part of my dilemma when I was putting the list together, because I do. I still have my original notebook where I made the headings of the list and then just started rattling off names and writing them down. And all those guys were in that list of people who made a home at Disney but then they also may wound up on the list of modern day voiceover artists. So I, I had to say in my editorial choice for this book, do I put people on more than one list? And then that's you're just reading the same names over and over. Or should I place not just people, but movies and characters on one list and not put them on the The one I point to in the book is Lady and the Tramp. They mm -hmm. can easily top the list of Disney couples when you think, you know, Mickey and Minnie, Lady and the Tramp. But they're also, I have a list of Disney canines, famous dogs, and they would top that list. So, so I had to choose which one do I put them in. And in that case, it was if one list had so many choices and one had very few, then I tried to weight it that way. But yeah, that's why you'll see, I'll try, I tried to get as much as I could. I, I don't think a friend of mine read it who's a big Disney fan and they said, well, it doesn't look like you left anyone out. It seems like everyone <laughs> found a list or found a place. There are a lot that are left out, but uh, I tried my best to get everyone in. Well, see, anything left out just means you get to write another book. <laughs> That's it. And and even that, someone said to me today, because the book editorially, we ended it at the end of 2017. So someone said, what about, you know, Mary Poppins Returns or what about this thing? And I, I they're not in there yet. So there will have to be a second edition because we have all these great things. You know, Black Panther is one that uh, I have a list in the book of icons for the Disney company who kind of carried them through the decades and if you were to look at this decade, I'd say, you know, Marvel and Star Wars has a lot to do with it. But I tried in the book not to take characters who were already pre-existing before Disney took them. And mm -hmm. technically, mm -hmm. Black Panther fits that mold. But uh, the movie version of Black Panther is something that they didn't buy from Paramount or when they merged like Iron Man and all the other. This was something that was created at Disney, made by Disney, and is now the third biggest film of all time. So uh, and, and we'll, I'm sure when they get the rights back, hopefully eventually we'll be in the theme parks and we'll be in the areas and. Yeah, aren't aren't they working on something in uh, Shanghai? I think there's or the or maybe it's Paris. They got this Avengers. Um, we just looked at this uh, about a month ago. So this like movie, yeah, 
Avengers yeah. Initiative thing that they're doing around Paris yeah. and they're having locations. But I think they mentioned Black Panther was going to be involved with that. Uh, yeah. And, and he's in California. You know, it's very weird, mm-hmm. the restrictions that Universal has. But Black Panther does a meet and greet in California and they have they're building an Avengers thing out there. But uh, he's a character that certainly because of the movie and the impact and the sequels that will come in is, you know, everything in the Infinity War and all the other movies that he's involved in, he'll be one that. Will be if Disney had to pick any character that was their character, that's the one they're going to run with because of the yeah. appeal all across the world. Yeah. And it would be kind of fun if we see like a little cookie or an Easter egg in this Lion King movie where you see something of Wakanda <laughs> somehow or another squeezed in. Yeah, that, I, I really, now that you said that, I'm going to be disappointed if that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> like they, somewhere in the elephant graveyard, you have like, like some vibranium kind of glowing in the full ground or something. <laughs> Or at least some uh, rhino armor sitting around. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like one of the rhinos that shows up at Simba's uh, uh, announcement or whatever is forgot to take his armor off, you know. <laughs> just, just just not the Paul Giamatti rhino. I don't want to say that. <laughs> Any other rhino but that one. Enough said. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's one of the things I don't even like to think about, <laughs> especially as a big Spider-Man junkie when you look at some of the things. But, yeah, let's, I could go on a whole other tangent on that one. <laughs> and and Which, that's why I apologize. Spider-Man is not in the book because, again, it, it, my rule was anybody that was pre-existed. As much as I love Spider-Man and, and he's you know now part of Disney and there's they're building a lot of stuff around him, I, it, I couldn't I, – same thing with Darth Vader. You know, It's a great character. It's Star Wars, but – he, he's not it is disney but it's it wasn't created at disney so i've got to go right. with you know uh, for star wars i picked jin erso and and mm-hmm. uh, and kylo ren who were characters that came in the disney era and not so much before yeah that's that then that helps narrow down that challenge of doing you know well obviously you have to pick darth vader so but that also means you could do a later book of uh, of characters that have become Disney because there's a, there's an entire map of characters that have really become Disney that maybe Disney hasn't done anything with them yet. But, you know, they're they're in the fold. And that's you know, I, I hear from people all the time who say to me, you know, I can't stand that Disney now Marvel and Star Wars, they're folding it in. And that's, you know, because we remember it as something else. But. 30 years from now, 40 years from now, people are going to, they'll, the two will go to his, they won't even remember that they were their own individual things. It's sort of like Winnie the Pooh and Peter Pan and mm-hmm. Mary Poppins were pre-existing properties that everybody says, Walt would never do that. Of course he, he did it. He bought, he bought yeah. properties and brought them in and not so much the fairy tales, which are public domain, but he paid for Peter Pan. He paid for Winnie the Pooh. He paid for Mary Poppins. And now they're just, people accept them as Disney. So yeah. The same thing will happen sure. in another generation or two. Yeah, he even paid for everything else besides the Wizard of Oz that was Oz. Yeah, and- yeah he tried. <laughs> he tried to get it made. Yeah. But- I still would like to see them capitalize that on a little bit more. You know, something in the parks there. If they, I don't know, just could get something in there would be really, really neat. Well, they yeah. did make a sequel, so. Right. Yeah, they you know they've they've had a couple of Oz movies, and uh, I haven't seen the scary one. And then there's the. <laughs> There's was the, the recent one. I can't even think of the name of, but it was it was okay. Yeah, and then uh, Disney did a Muppet one too, and yep. they had the Muppets. Oh, yeah, they had them do it. So, they, which they I'm glad hurt. to see. Yeah, which I was glad to see it credited to Kirk Thatcher. Yeah, in the book as the director. So, hmm. 
Yeah, and those are more characters that now we, we associate so much with Disney, even though, we, you know, yeah, I remember when you were a kid when you had the Muppet Show, it was a completely separate thing, but they just seem to fit in with the rest of the uh, Disney lineup. Well, it's funny because my sons are, they're now uh, 16 and, and 14, and they think of the Muppets as Disney. They don't even have it in their head that there was something else. So that's their, the, in Star Wars, it's a little different because they remember when it was something mm-hmm. else. But the, this one, you know, Muppets are Disney. They, they already, mm-hmm. it's because of the, the, the Hollywood studios and the theater and all that stuff. They just, it's in their head. That's Disney, the Muppets. Yep. Somehow the Muppets are Disney and not Sesame Street. That's the weird part. Yeah. <laughs> well, One day, though. It's a little too tough for Disney. It's... <laughs> I'm sure Bob Iger's got his eyes on it. <laughs> <laughs> Although I was seeing something this week that SeaWorld is actually building some sort of a Sesame Street attraction, which I don't understand that at all. But OK. Well, they, the company, we have one that right not too far from me, about 90 minutes from my house is Sesame Place, which is owned by Bush Attraction, SeaWorld, the whole company, the whole conglomerate that owns Bush Garden. So they have the rights to Sesame Street, believe it or not. SeaWorld, Bush Garden. So uh, there's a whole Sesame Street theme park in Pennsylvania outside of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to like to visit it. I've heard of that. It's, it is a lot of fun. It's not, not if you're an adult, there's not a lot to do there because it's all kids rides. But when you have little kids and you go there, it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's like Fantasyland. Just there's nothing else. There's no other mm-hmm. things to do other than <laughs> the kids rides. And probably way too much Elmo. Yeah, yeah a little bit too much for my taste. <laughs> I, I'd like to see more Grover and less Elmo, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, and it's like nobody ever remembers Telly anymore. I used to love Telly Monster. Oh, poor Telly, yeah. It's... <laughs> and he's not even on the Christmas album, and that's kind of sad for me. <laughs> it's like, <where's... laughs> it's like I, oh, look, Harry Monster's on here. That's nice. Where's Telly? Come on. <laughs> well, speaking of underrated characters, uh, nice segue. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Um, I think one of your underrated characters uh, might need to undergo a revision following Wreck-It Ralph 2. Is that uh, with Princess Vanellope? Yes. Yeah. I when I wrote the book, I I my rec- reasoning, and you know, people would say really underrated, but to me, she's not part of the Disney Princess group. Which and now Wreck It Ralph two, they they address that. But at the time I wrote the book, and before it went to public, I knew they were making Wreck It Ralph two, but I didn't know the details of it. But hopefully yeah. they will. I I was just there last week at, at uh, Walt Disney World, and they now have a Princess Vanellope meet and greet, and the line was longer <laughs> than for Mickey or Minnie or some of the other characters. So wow. Uh, oh man. Yeah. It is. <laughs> It's really it's a she's she's grown and I saw more shirts for her. Uh, There's lots of, you know, my my sons, you know, normally they don't like any girly thing, but they they you know, they because of her gaming, uh, you know, being the racer and all that, that she's a character that when we went to see they they love that character. So hopefully that'll be sort of the inroad to get her in. But uh, that's why she's in the underrated characters. I think she should have been automatically a princess, one of the Disney princesses. Well, now you could also do a top 10 missed opportunities because why have not, they not actually developed a Sugar Rush game for uh, consoles at home? That, I'd see that's <laughs> I did not know. That's the one thing there. I didn't have a list for video games. So because uh, that's not my area of, of I should have asked my sons about that. But I had no idea. There's no there's no Sugar Rush game. Yeah, there's no sugar. Re- wow. I mean, it was neat because they, they actually made a Fix-It Felix Jr. arcade game. Yeah. And, you know, I've gotten to play that actually at a uh, what not Draftcade, I guess it was. Or was it Draftcade or Tapcade? Either way, but I've gotten to play it. And it's it's very fun and retro. But I'm like, OK, you've you've introduced the idea of the, a sugar rush game or Where even <laughs> um, 
what is the death race game? Um, I Slaughter forgot what race. It Slaughter race. Yeah. There's a whole opportunity of actually creating these games in some fashion. Sure. Uh, and not just games. There's probably other missed opportunities where they could tie a product into something. Like I've looked everywhere for a Pascal. All right. For anyone who's not thinking Pascal is the little comedian entangled. I want a Pascal squeaky toy. <laughs> that and makes yet, sense. They don't let's have get, one. Let's get Disney oh. consumer products right yeah. on it. <laughs> See, so missed opportunities, products that maybe Disney should have, but for some reason hasn't. Like maybe a marionette of Pinocchio. That's I, I'm surprised they've not. I'm maybe somewhere along the line, but not recently. I haven't seen anything like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's just so many things that they. I, I guess I don't think they would. They know that it would sell, or they don't think it would sell. But I believe me, there's. We'll buy this junk if they make it. We'll buy it. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, definitely. I mean, if if and no slight to Funko Pop, but I mean, they whatever they make, people buy. So uh, yeah, I'm sure you can come up with an audience for any Disney product. Oh yeah. So, so there's another potential list of missed opportunities, something that Disney should do that they haven't. I should be writing these down. Yeah, you guys have to be co-crediting them. <laughs> like, you know, heck, uh, sponsoring all these podcasts out here. Give us a little bit of money and tell us what they want us to talk about. Hey. <laughs> there you go. Well, and I, I, to be honest, I was even glad to see that there's a top podcast category in here as well. Uh, yes, there is, and and I, I apologize <laughs> if you got thrown in there yet. Sorry, but yeah, it was. Uh, again, I'll, I try to give a lot of weight with. Uh, there's websites in there too, and I try to mm-hmm. give weight to uh, the Disney ones. And with the podcasts, a lot of it was. Uh, I I tried to find ones that were general, which which I know you are, which is good. That aren't specifically about the parks or about the movies, and try to. Waited. But that's that was a hard one. They insisted that I put something in there about podcasts and about websites. And I said, well, you do that and you're going to narrow it to 10. Somebody's going to say, well, what about our party? I mean, <laughs> it breaks my heart because I didn't want to do that. So what, I, what I'm actually doing now, they're going to be launching a website for me with a blog and everything. And we're going to invite podcasters and bloggers and and disney legends we've already got a bunch of them that are they're lined up to do it and writing cool. their own so like you guys i'm going to invite you guys to write your own top 10 list come up with any subject top 10 I, there's not going to be any editing or anything and you can make your own list and we'll put it on our site and you know hopefully people will read them and it'll link back to the podcast and so it's a way of promoting cross promoting back and forth and Hmm. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Our idea of we have one content missed opportunity. Maybe we should do it. <laughs> I, I have one Disney legend who gave me his list, which was an interesting top 10 Disney vehicles, which I never thought about before. Oh, yeah. oh, wow. But it appealed to this guy because he's a car guy. I can't illegally, I can't say who it is yet, but he's very close to Santa Claus, let's say. Mm. And, and, and he's you know gone to infinity and beyond, but I can't say the guy's name, but he's uh, he's giving us a list for top 10 vehicles, which would be interesting. That so, would be interesting. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I, if you ask me, I would say Herbie is about the only one I you know, I, I'm not I'm not a big car guy. So I loved Herbie as a kid. And that would be number one on my list. But, I, you know, yeah. other it's the no mobile. Maybe I can't think of other Disney vehicles. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm actually trying to think of. All, oh, uh, no, because that's a Willy Wonka thing. 
Well, you know what? I went in a completely different direction when I heard that. I thought it was uh, a list about the top 10 Disney attraction vehicles. And, and that might, I, you know, I have not seen the list, so that might be, and it might be a doom buggy mixed in there yeah. or other things. So I had that yeah. might be too. But I know that Herbie is on, I got that much at least. Like, oh, it's a car guys <laughs> put Herbie on there too. And then you could even get, oh, and I can't think of his name now, the taxi cab and Roger Rabbit. Why am I losing uh, his name? Benny. Oh, Benny. Benny. Yeah. Yeah, see, oh. he, he qualifies. <laughs> the Condor Mobile has to be on my list, though. <laughs> I still need to see that movie. <laughs> oh, Jeremy. Jeremy, you got to get, yeah, you've got to see it, Jeremy. Wait, I know, but it's, Man. yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Wow. it's like this hidden secret. It's like it's, it's almost vanished where you can't yeah, find it on DVD or anything. <laughs> It, somebody who read my book asked me about that today. They said, what's this movie, Conner Man? I'm like, oh, you've got to see this movie. It was uh, the, the answer I gave. It was when it came out when Superman was a big hit in the theater. Christopher E. Superman and James Bond had a string of hits, you know, with Roger Moore. And so they tried to Disney, you know, Ron Miller, God bless him, was trying to say, hey, let's, you know, <laughs> let's throw our hat in the ring there. And it, it's a mix of a superhero and spy movie sort of crossed together and beautiful locations. They filmed it in and Michael Crawford does a great job. But. It just didn't catch on with the audiences. So and now I'm the sure dad from Teen Wolf too, there, Jeremy. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. Uh, see, I, I, I've seen they're somewhere on YouTube, where they said they were, they, they were, they had like the first five minutes of Condor Man, which is basically just like the opening credits. So mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of nice. Got the theme song and. And that's one of the things that, you know, like in Disney Infinity, you'd get played the music and Condor Man would come up. And, mm -hmm. But wow. yet you, you couldn't you didn't have any of his equipment or they didn't make him a playable character. And that's the more missed opportunity is there are so many characters on Disney Infinity that we still didn't get if they could have only have kept that going. Yeah, not not for lack at the uh, game designers. Trust me. Yeah. Oh. There's yeah, so I, much stuff we could have. I would love to have seen because that was such a great idea. Um, oh, but I do want to before we wrap this up, uh, get into this uh, of mouse and man, uh, your one person show. So tell us something about that. Well, I started it around Walt's birthday. His birthday is a day. To, he was December fifth. I'm December sixth. So that's sort of as a kid. That's what made me have an affinity. It's weird, you know, the reason you start loving a company or loving things. So yeah, uh, I was born the day after Star Wars's original release. I totally okay. get it. <laughs> So you know the feeling. So yes, <laughs> uh, I, I decided what can I do for his birthday? And I was already I'm, I'm an actor. So I was already doing a soap opera and a bunch of other shows. And I said, well, let me create something. So a lot of the, the research that wound up being in the book as well was can I write a one person show and get up there and be Walt and, you know, put on a mustache and, and kind of make myself look as close as I can. And I did it in a little theater in New York City and it was well received. And it was just me as Walt taking people through his life and talking about, you know, and, 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 and the, the whole conceit of the show was that you're the audience at the press conference where he's announcing uh, the Florida project. So it comes up to just before he died and he's telling the audience he's there, you know, before everybody else gets there and he's saying to you guys, Hey, let me tell you a little bit about how we got here. And he, he goes through it and uh, it was well received. So then I started getting offers from colleges and from libraries and museums. And I've done it off and on here and there over the last 17 years now. And it's a lot of fun getting to be Walt. And then the, the weirdest part is after it, sometimes they ask that I take questions as Walt, which are really challenging because you know, oh, yeah. a, little girl, you know, a little girl will say, you know, what do you think of the Little Mermaid? And I have to in my head say, OK, Walt was dead by 1960s. You know, he he didn't know. So you got to find a creative way of answering questions as Walt, not knowing anything about modern society. 
mm. or how the company <laughs> evolved. But yeah, it might have been something though. Walt might have been taking a look at a lot of the works of Hans Christian Andersen and might have considered actually making something like that. So well, it, it was in the pipeline. They did have a lot yeah. of these things in the and you know, just never got. He had Don Quixote was one that he really wanted to make and never happened. He wanted to make a, a mm-hmm. animated version. They just couldn't figure out how do we make it. You know, with the whole prostitute thing and all that other stuff. How do we make that Disney related? But it worked. And they they did it with Hunchback. So yeah. And then, I mean, there is a musical, you know, Mon of La Mancha. I mean, you could base it around that and yeah. do an animated version of the musical. Bob Iger, if you're listening, you know, that's an idea for you. <laughs> they could they could do a Disney version of that. Sure, why not? So, uh, but I did go and look at your IMDb page, and uh, I noticed that uh, you may have been frequently killed on Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well. Uh, no, actually, my, my character was not, he was not killed. I, I started out as a congressman on mm-hmm. uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, and now he's the president of the United States in the game. So it's it, oh. it, it was a complete lark. I was called by, it was actually called Take Two Interactive, and they called me up and said, hey, would you like to do a game? And it came in, and they had me reading Congressman Shrub, which was a lot of fun, and then mm-hmm. the game took off. And then every other version after that, they bring me in, and he, they my character you know has evolved, and he's now the president, and he's... All these other interesting, but I've never played the game, believe it or not. I'm not a video game guy. They send it to me, and I see it, and I, I've seen bits and pieces of it, but uh, I, I get emails from people all the time that ask me about what it's like to be this fictional president in a video game. Huh. You're also <laughs> credited as being a pedestrian in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. That's what I'm thinking. You've probably been hit by a car well, a few no, times. Yeah, that, that one, <laughs> the, the, that's a diff, that was one where they took it to Los Angeles, and the president character wasn't in that. He came back and laid. So that one, they just said, hey, would you like to be a bunch of Russian mobsters and street guys and pedestrians? And that's weird <laughs> because they send you into the studio, and they say, okay, now you just got a knife to the kneecap. Go. <laughs> you're like, oh, what? What, what? How do I make that sound? I don't know. So it's just you have to make all these weird noises and they wind up in a, you know, multi-million dollar selling video game. <laughs> so if anybody's played that game and you've actually <laughs> stabbed somebody in the knee with a knife and he yeah. sounds a lot like Chris. Then... <laughs> Especially if they're screaming in Russian. That's me. That, that, my character in that one was Russian. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, are any of these other ones any games, sir? Because uh, I see like there's some TV miniseries, a lot of shorts. Uh, you know, I, so far, that's the only thing that I've recognized is the Grand Theft Auto games. Is there anything else that we might know of that you've popped yeah. up in? Uh, the the IMDb is where because the, there's Chris Lucas and Christopher, so it's two different ones. But um, I, I was on Thirty Rock for a while. I played uh, a younger version of Jack Donahue, which is Alec Baldwin's character. Oh. Uh, I was on As the World Turns for a couple of years, One Life to Live. So a bunch of TV shows and commercials here and there. And that's what well, most people when they see me is from the commercials because they did I go to high school with you? How do I know you? Because they you know I walk around and. The face is familiar because it's on TV all the time. So that's uh, there's a lot of different things you do here and there. But a lot of the work I do as an actor is stuff like the Walt Show or like corporate videos or corporate events where, you know, the public will never know about it. But you go in there and performing for groups of people that are there to hear about whatever the subject is. <laughs> and it's probably a bit more fun to be doing things live like that anyway. It is because you get the experience, you know, and that's that's again, a lot of this book came from that because people would pepper me with questions about what's your favorite this? What's your favorite? So I, in, in my head, I was like, boy, this would make a nice book someday to talk about uh, the lists of all the different things and tie it into Walt's life. So, uh, yeah, a live audience is nothing like it. You know, the TV is great making movies. I've done all that stuff. But the immediacy of having someone in front of you laughing or smiling or, mm-hmm. or getting angry or whatever it is, you know, you want to make them feel something that's. 
as a performer, there's nothing that beats that. Oh, yeah, especially when you can get some good laughs because you can just you egg on a little bit. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's mostly what I've done in community theaters. I'm, I'm usually some comedic character. Uh, I don't know why. I guess I'm funny looking. <laughs> I always <laughs> seem to get that. And the more I can, you know, I will egg something on and I will warn the rest of the cast, like, look, if they're starting to respond, I'm going to draw this out a little bit. So. And that's, I mean, that's all you can, I mean, the, the people, I, I've learned from doing live theater and everything else is people will never remember what you say. Plot was, what they'll remember is how did they feel? Did they have a good time? Yeah. Were they laughing? Were they enjoying themselves? So they're going to go home and they may, may not remember specifically what you did or what you said, but they'll say, boy, we really laughed a lot. We had a great time. That's, that's your job as a performer is to really get them to feel something, anything, sadness, anger, happiness, laughter, make them walk out of there saying, wow, I really had an experience in there. And, you know, that's the beauty of what they do in the Disney parks. That's why they're mm-hmm. more successful. People walk out and they don't know why, but they well, I felt something. Whatever that was, I, I had a feeling coming to this place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it sounds exactly like what, how Walt liked to tell stories in and, and whatever fashion. And of all the multiple ways that he would tell stories through the parks, through films, and everything, it always it was an experience. Walt yeah. always seemed to give us that. And and that that's sort of the, you know, the the tying the book together that's what i'm trying to explain to people it wasn't just you know one area walt used everything at his disposal from the actors he used to the characters to the parks to the uh, anything he put in there it was all part of telling a story to the public and making the public feel this great affinity you know, there are other big companies out there like apple and starbucks and mm-hmm. uh, walmart that people are loyal to but disney covers everything How, you know apple doesn't have food products or restaurants or hotels and and walmart has food but they don't make movies and as disney right. you know no matter where you get they're involved in everything that you go to one of the restaurants and you you have a feeling when you're there when you're eating they're making it magical and then staying in their hotel they make it magic so that's the beauty of disney is that they they really get into all of our lives and give us that feeling that we walk away and we don't know why, but we say, wow, I really, really enjoyed that. And Yeah. And it's even so much to where I've spent every time I go to a grocery store, I'm looking for those Mickey bars that they're showing yeah. that they're going to put them out. Cause it's, it's some like, today. you found some, where did you find I, some? Uh, our, our local Kroger. At a Kroger. I don't have a Kroger yeah. around here. Well, a price I, shopper doesn't have them yet. <laughs> I'll keep looking because it's, that's, it's like getting that park experience at home. Sort of like well, how I want Dole Whip around here. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm spoiled because that's... I'm right across the river from New York City, so I'm in there often. They have a big exhibit now that's uh, the Mickey Mouse 90th birthday because he was born in New York City with Steamboat Willie. But in mm-hmm. the middle of the exhibit, it's a museum about Mickey, and you walk onto the set of the Mickey Mouse Club, and they give you free Mickey Mouse ice cream. You walk in as much as you oh, want to cool. eat. It's all Yeah, so <laughs> it's worth the price of admission just to sit on the Mickey Mouse Club set and eat ice cream. Oh, I think I need to make a trip to New York this weekend. Yeah, and somebody (laughs) can get on a plane anytime they want to, so I'm jealous. Yeah, they can. (laughs) Yeah, well, that just means you'll have to take some good pictures, get some good audio, and bring it back and tell us about it. So, all right. You have an assignment if you go. (laughs) Actually got plans this weekend, but we'll look into it. Yeah, because I would totally go if I could, but I can't. (laughs) At least I don't think I can. Maybe, I don't know. I don't think I can afford the flight to New York and back again right now. <laughs> it, it's too cold. You wouldn't want to come here anyway right now. That's kind of true. And oh, that would be a shock to Eric's system going from Arizona <laughs> to New York. Like, welcome to sub-zero temperatures. Well, you mean I actually have to put on long pants? <laughs> yeah. And you Maybe might actually have to wear shirt. a jacket. <laughs> Ooh, jacket. What's that? 
<laughs> oh, so the the weird thing though that I, I've thought of, like of all these top lens, top ten lists that you have collected, and they're kind of a lot of your your collected opinions and stuff like that. But what is your favorite list of the top ten lists? Or of the hundred list, rather. I, yeah. You know, it, that that's sort of like you know asking a parent which is your favorite child. So I don't want to, but it, it, my sentimental favorite is, I, and I believe it's it's the first one or the second one. It's you know, the the greatest influences on Walt's life because that that mm-hmm. explains it really. That's why I kick off the book with it because it, it, once you know that, then it explains everything about Disney as a company, as a park, as a you know every and as a person. So that that was the one that was closest to my heart writing. And that's the one that, you know, I, I really, I could have written pages and pages and pages on that, but uh, you know, he's, he's sometimes a hard guy to figure out when you read about him, but once you know what made him tick and really from the beginning, what are the things that influence him? So that, that was my favorite one to figure out what made Walt Walt. Yeah. yeah. That's what I call the magic of Marceline. Anytime yeah. I'm there, that's I'm like, this is what inf- infected his mind is right in here. So, uh, but once again, I guess we got to wrap this up. The book is called Top Disney. It is available on paperback for pre-order uh, on Amazon. Uh, is it going to be available on any other sites? Uh, yeah, I believe right now it's available on all the booksellers. You know, Amazon's the easiest one that people go to, but it's on all the booksellers. And then uh, around Valentine's Day, we're going to be launching a website. Uh, Tabby, it's going to be called topdisney.com that uh, we'll have lots of other, the blog will be on there and lots of other fun things there. But you can order it, I believe, at any of the major booksellers now. Awesome. And just remember on Amazon, look, look them up by Christopher Lucas. Yes. Because I did have some trouble with that trying to find it. I was like, oh, there's Chris Lucas is an entirely different thing. Uh, not George Lucas either, because then there'll be hundreds of books. There. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet there's even several books of people saying if George had made uh, The Last Jedi, this is what he would have done. Yeah. <laughs> but also, uh, he does have that email address. If you have any questions or anything, uh, mousetop10 at gmail.com. If you have trouble finding the book, I'm sure if you send an email there, Christopher can certainly guide you to where you can purchase yourself a copy. I'm also going to make sure we have a link here to where i found it on amazon here in the show notes so make sure you pre-order uh this is this is a really cool little collection of information and i this to me it would be a great introduction for anybody who's kind of just wanting to dive into the disney fandom like head first they've somehow just got the bug or the disease of disneydom whatever you want to call it and then once to dive right in this uh this is like the basic facts of what you really need to know this is a really good collection i like it but also, hopefully, it's interesting for people that think they already know a lot about Disney that, you know, there's maybe some nuggets maybe you didn't know. So I tried to write yeah. them both. And there is a lot of, of information in here for a lot of lists. So, yeah, definitely a fun read. So I definitely recommend it. But thanks Thank so, for coming along with this and telling us about this book and, and some of your fun Disney memories. Well, thank you for having me. I love your podcast and I appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! 
Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast to donate to keeping the pixie dust alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Yay! <laughs> Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.